Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpack Warriors. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 188. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me, according to the regulation and uniform code of military justice. So help me God. questions I get more than any other are, who are you really, and why do you use a moniker? Since we're in a sort of a transition period as we prepare for having Bishop Strickland on the show every week, I decided to finally answer these two questions for you. Last week, I asked you for financial support for this apostolate, and your generosity has been humbling. Thank you. I promised Cardinal Burke when I began this apostolate that I wouldn't try to earn a living from it. His eminence told me that faith was freely given to me, so I should freely give it to others. And I've kept my word. Still, money has to come in to pay the expenses. Mrs. Sixpack and I live on roughly $2,000 a month. I recall when that was big money, but it's not anymore. It's below the poverty line. 
When revenues fall short of covering costs, I've always paid expenses out of my pocket. I can't do that any longer, though. Inflation is hurting all of us, but the poor feel it first and the hardest. We're having to prioritize what essentials are the most important every month. And since this apostolate isn't essential to our survival, I can no longer pay for things out of my pocket. So I need your help. I have two choices, ask you for help or close down part of the apostolate and begin earning money online again. I've got to raise $30,000 in financial gifts to make it for the next year. Thanks to the generosity of a few of you, roughly $8,000 has come in over the last two weeks. That means I've got to raise another $22,000. Please help keep this apostolate in existence. It's estimated that this apostolate reaches about 300,000 souls a week. Please help me continue doing that. Click on the link in my show notes that says, Keep the Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy Apostolate Alive. Thank you. For the most part, readers and listeners have accepted the Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy moniker. However, there's some among you who are the curious sort and won't accept things just the way they are. In my opinion, that's a good thing. Still, some among the curious don't like it that I use a nom de plume, and they refer to me as a coward for doing so. Am I a coward? Maybe on some things, but I think I've proven on this show that I don't really fear anything worth noting. Okay, so let's answer the first commonly asked question. Who are you really? That's easy. My name is Adeldorf Klinkerdagger Rostefutin. In case you're a little slow, that means I'm not going to tell you my real name. However, I am writing an autobiography titled Who is Joe Sixpack the Every Catholic Guy? It'll be published by my friend Joe Matt, the publisher of The Wander, after my death, which is probably sooner than later. But I will answer the second question. Why do you use a moniker? Well, there's a backstory to that. I've been a lay evangelist and Catholic writer for the entire 30-plus years since my conversion to the Catholic Church, and God has used me to make over 200 converts and reverts. But in 2012, I began thinking about and looking at different ways to evangelize. Making converts and reverts by working with people one-on-one is a good thing, and all Catholics have a moral obligation to do that. Although most of my work is now related to the internet, I still evangelize one-on-one with people when I get the chance. But I began looking for other different ways to evangelize because I sensed that things were beginning to change. In 2012, I began consulting with friends who ran successful apostolates. They gave me a ton of great advice, but I still wasn't quite able to come up with anything that seemed to fit my charisms. That all changed when I became a member of the Knights of Columbus. I've been a member of the Knights for less than a decade. I've always admired the Knights of Columbus, but I'd never become a member. I suppose that's because no one had ever asked me until I was approached by a very good deacon friend of mine. I breezed through the first and second degrees as everybody does. But then it came time to be elevated to the third degree. No one even gave me a clue what to expect for the third degree prior to the actual event. I learned at the council hall that we were going to be expected to demonstrate our proficiency in Catholic teachings. 
I became terrified at the thought of having to publicly answer questions about the faith among my peers. After all, these were the Knights of Columbus. These men were supposed to be the elite of the elite of the church. I was terrified I'd embarrass myself. I was embarrassed, all right. I was embarrassed for my fellow third-degree candidates. Each of us were asked very basic catechism questions, things they all should have known from childhood. Of the more than 50 third-degree candidates, only two besides myself were able to answer any of the questions. I'm talking really simple stuff like, what are the mysteries of the rosary? You'd expect any knight to be able to answer that, especially since knights are required to pray the rosary as Knights of Columbus commitment. I was scandalized that my fellow knights couldn't answer such basic questions. So after the ceremony was over and we had our socializing period, I just drifted around the room to see if I could figure out what was wrong. The general impression that I got was that the men thought they'd been asked really advanced catechetical questions. The thing that really stunned me was that they weren't at all embarrassed about their ignorance. I tried to begin a campaign to change things among my fellow knights. In my own council, my brothers decided I was either a fanatic or a nut or both. When I approached the state Knights of Columbus officers, I was pretty much told to shut up, sit down, and accept that our knights are very knowledgeable about the Catholic faith. Along the way, I discovered something that I honestly didn't know about the American Catholic laity, that at least 95% of them are as ignorant of the faith as were my fellow third-degree candidates. For the record, both Michael Voris and Terry Barber have told me that I was being far too charitable in placing the ignorance level at 95%. This led to an idea that was the very humble beginning of this apostolate. Prior to launching the apostolate, I had a private audience with Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke. His eminence has always been generous with his time with me. I'm a member of the Marian Catechist Apostolate, and he's the international director, which is one reason why he's been so generous. Another reason is because he knows everything about me, so he realizes that from time to time I need guidance and to have my reins pulled in. In that private audience with his eminence, I was given certain parameters and admonishments. His eminence loved my idea for the beginning of the apostolate and even wrote a letter endorsing it. But for various reasons that shall remain as private as the audience itself, Cardinal Burke insisted that I use a nom de plume. He liked the Joe Sixpack the Every Catholic Guy moniker, so I went with that. His eminence also charged me not to try to make a living sharing the Catholic faith, that it was given freely to me, so I had to give it freely to everyone else. Shortly before my audience with the Cardinal, our parish priest had come to me and mentioned that several people in the parish had asked him recently what they could do to learn the faith better. He knew my background in sharing the faith, so he was asking me for ideas. That Sunday, I saw an insert in the parish bulletin about an upcoming event. I noticed that nearly everyone opened the bulletin, read the insert, then read the bulletin itself. That spawned an idea, so I did a little research when I got home. 
I discovered that surveys of Catholic laymen indicated that 70% of Catholics got 100% of their Catholic information from the Sunday Parish Bulletin. I went to our pastor and suggested that he allow me to write an anonymous bulletin insert of thumbnail catechetical lessons. I called it What We Believe, Why We Believe It. After several weeks, it became apparent that the insert was a raving success. Father told me that some parishioners were even keeping the inserts in a binder, and folks who had to be out of town were asking for the copies they'd missed. With the local success of the bulletin inserts, I decided to take my first foray into the Internet world. I began offering subscriptions to the inserts for parish priests to educate their parishioners. Since I've never had the money for marketing, I've never had more than 20 subscribers at a time. Now it's down to half that. But it hasn't stopped there. Based on feedback from pastors, it became quickly apparent that I had to provide a resource for readers to get answers for their questions. So I built a new website called joesixpackanswers.com. Lots of readers began visiting the site. I wanted to advance their knowledge of the faith, so I wrote a catechism email course with short lessons to go to their inbox every three days. All they had to do was fill out the form on the website. Then it became apparent that people were really hungry, so I delved into my third foray on the Internet. I began hosting free webinars called Sharing the Catholic Faith, which are ongoing and have been well attended. We're taking our summer break right now, and we'll begin the series again on September 11th, but I do invite you to attend. God was pushing me into the online world, but I was too thick-headed to see what he wanted, so he allowed tragedy to strike. I had a debilitating stroke. Doctors have told me it was so bad that they were amazed that I survived. Nothing was the same after the stroke. Whereas I used to type 84 words per minute, now I can only do about 10. I can't write anymore, can't walk, and I'm completely homebound. We haven't been to the parish for Mass since October of 2019, and we weren't regulars prior to that point since the stroke. Our new pastor said Mass in our home since we became homebound, and I cried during the entire liturgy. God knows how I miss the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Anyway, I finally got God's message. Due to the stroke and its effects, I've become completely dependent on the computer as a medium for evangelization. And that led to this podcast. Through my research, I discovered that podcasts are the fastest growing medium in the world. In fact, it's speculated that podcasts will completely replace terrestrial radio in 10 years. So I learned all I could about podcasting, then launched the Cantankerous Catholic for you. Now, why have I told you all this? It's certainly not to brag about all I've done, because I really haven't done all that much. I've told you all of this for the sake of your own souls. First of all, nothing is more important in our lives than Jesus Christ and his church, the Catholic Church. It's more important than your spouse, your kids, your possessions, your jobs, your hobbies, or anything else. If you're a daily Bible reader, as all Catholics should be, then you already know this, whether you've accepted it or not. If everything in your life isn't taking a back seat to Christ and his church, then you're literally playing with fire. 
you could end up with an eternity in hell. Secondly, we're in the most perilous time in history. What may be the precursor to the final battle is raging all around us, both within the universal church and universal politics. God is omniscient. Time isn't linear for him. He sees the beginning of creation, its end, and everything in between simultaneously. Long before he created Adam, he saw this precise time and place. He knew this episode would be produced even before he created Adam. You and I weren't born when we were by accident or coincidence. We're part of God's plan and have been since before Adam. Gone are the days when fidelity to church teaching and weekly mass attendance would get you a reasonable hope of salvation. None of us are guaranteed salvation. Catholics now must either be doing something or condemn their own souls to hell. We're admonished by Jesus himself to combat hell. That doesn't mean signing petitions, writing letters to bishops, calling the chancery office, or merely setting the example for others. None of those things is doing something. Doing something is sharing the faith any way you can. It's getting actively involved with politics, because in America, politics and religion are the great overlap. Doing something is actively putting boots on the ground to com- Doing something is actively putting boots on the ground to combat disloyal bishops, the USCCB, the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, and Catholic Relief Services. It doesn't matter how you put boots on the ground, only that you do it. And by sharing the story of how this apostolate came into being and has grown proves that absolutely anyone can do it. You're not too old. I'm elderly. You can't use disabilities as an excuse for not doing something. About all I can do is think, talk, and use one hand. Now, I can't advise you too much about physical boots on the ground. All I can recommend is that you need to reach out to church militant resistance to learn more, and if all possible, attend the Catholic Action Conference in Detroit next month. And I do recommend that all of you six-pack warriors listen to the first-ever Saturday Vortex from last weekend. The link is in my show notes. I can advise you on doing something when it comes to the Internet, though. Whether you want to begin a Catholic blog, a Catholic YouTube channel, a podcast, or how to be an influencer in social media, I can advise you on that. But you have to do something. If you don't do something, well, invest heavily in asbestos pajamas. If Catholics have any hope of returning the country to God, our families to God, then we need to match and surpass the intensity of the Marxists. It's impossible to turn on the news and not see another victory from the anti-family woke crowd. You cannot create any meaningful change by sitting back and just consuming podcasts and signing online petitions. Church Milton's Call to Action Convention is the blueprint for taking back the church and the culture. We've assembled a team of panelists that have unseated politicians, exposed corrupt clergymen, and saved the unborn, not to mention converted people to the one true faith. And now we are asking you to get involved. What you put into this is what you we'll get out of it. So please sign up at cmresistance.com and we'll show you exactly how you can begin to change your local community to be God-fearing, pro-family, 
and true to our country's values of life, liberty, and the pursuit of true happiness. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to the Daily Wire. A U.S. District Court in Tennessee on Friday temporarily barred the Biden administration from enforcing a policy that would require every state to allow biological males to compete in female sports and use women's and girls' restrooms. In 2021, the Education Department said it would add gender identity to Title IX anti-discrimination rules. Attorneys General from 20 states responded by suing the Biden administration. Friday's court decision ruled in favor of the Attorneys General. Amazing! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Hats off to Catholic News Agency. Bishop Michael D. Pfeiffer, Bishop Emeritus of San Angelo, has written a pastoral statement calling on fellow bishops to hold pro-abortion political leaders accountable. Our own president is considering declaring abortion a public health emergency. The Speaker of the House is trying to enshrine abortion on demand in federal law, Pfeiffer wrote. We bishops and all pro-lifers must send an unmistakable message to these pro-abortion leaders that we will never let these horrible death plans be enacted. Now, I've never heard of this bishop, which tells me he never said or did anything while he was the ordinary San Angelo. Why only now, bishop? Despicable! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick number three. Hats off to the Daily Signal. From Sri Lanka to the Netherlands, progressive environmentalist policies have led to shortages, starvation, and civil unrest, writes Douglas Blair of the Daily Signal. Only seven months after implementation of green policies in Sri Lanka, the government was forced to revoke the program as crop yields plummeted and food prices skyrocketed. Starving and unable to find relief, Sri Lankans began to rise up and revolt. Thousands converged on the presidential residence and stormed the gates. A harbinger of things to come? That's what I'm talking about! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number 2 Hats off to Breitbart. The University of Pennsylvania has nominated transgender swimmer Leah Thomas, a biological male who identifies as a woman, for the National Collegiate Athletic Association's Woman of the Year Award. The award recognizes female student-athletes who have exhausted their eligibility and distinguished themselves in their community in athletics and in academics throughout their college years. Thomas began competing in women's sports in 2019 after ranking low among male swimmers. I can't believe it! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 1 Hats off to the Daily Wire. A transgender New Jersey inmate serving time for manslaughter has finally been removed from a women's prison after impregnating two fellow convicts. 
Demi Minor, 27, is now complaining about the punishment of being moved from the Edna Mahan Correctional Facility for Women to the Garden State Youth Correctional Facility. Minor is serving a 30-year sentence and is not eligible for parole until 2037. What did these moronic miscreants think would happen? You big dummy! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Do you like to write? Would you like to learn to write? What if I told you that anyone can learn to write and build a six-figure income as a result? I'm talking about copywriting. The sales letters you've read, the radio and TV commercials that you hear and see, and virtually everything you see online from asking for donations to selling things was written by a copywriter. And those jobs pay big. The American Writers and Artists Institute, or AWAI, will teach you everything you need to know to be a highly paid copywriter. Then, after you've completed their comprehensive course, AWAI will even help you get your first high-paying client. And this is a perfect career for stay-at-home moms because you can work at your leisure from your internet-connected devices from anywhere in the world. Learn more by clicking the link in my show notes that says American Writers and Artists Institute. Do it today. I am hard, but I am fair. It's time for the Catholic Boot Camp with your drill sergeant, Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Learn the Catholic faith and how to defend it like you've never heard it before. This boot camp is tough, so there's no political correctness, no spirit of Vatican II, and no namby-pamby platitudes. Drill Sergeant Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, will prepare you for spiritual war. Now here's Joe Sixpack. Henry VIII was a loyal Catholic from his birth until the 1530s, so much so, in fact, that as the Protestant revolt heated up in Europe, he was declared defender of the faith by Pope Leo X for the publication of his Defense of the Seven Sacraments as a treatise against the heresies of the continental Protestants. But this changed when Henry took a fancy to Lady Anne Boleyn and tried to set aside his marriage to Catherine of Aragon by asking the church to grant him an annulment. Every one of Henry's requests were met with a sound no, but he wouldn't give up. He finally took his demand for a decree of nullity directly to the Pope, but the Holy Father stood his ground and upheld the ancient teachings of the church on marriage between one man and one woman. The Pope feared that Henry would separate England from the Catholic Church, and that's exactly what happened. On December 17, 1538, Pope Paul III excommunicated Henry VIII for attempting marriage outside the Church and declaring himself the head of the Church in England, which is why the world has the Anglican Church today. In defiance of God's law that marriage is between one man and one woman for life, Henry divorced himself of Catherine of Aragon and attempted marriage to Anne Boleyn. One evening, Anne and Henry were standing at a window, looking out at the beautiful brilliance of the stars. The young queen's heart softened, perhaps recalling the innocence of her childhood. 
Deeply moved by God's creation, he said, how beautiful the starry sky is, but how much more beautiful it must be beyond the stars in heaven with God. When Henry heard these words, he took Anne by the hand and led her from the window. With his head bowed, he said, Anne, this is not for us. Henry VIII defied the laws of God and the Catholic Church. God forbids divorce and remarriage. For anyone to be married, that is, to receive the sacrament of matrimony, the marriage must take place before an authorized priest or deacon and two witnesses. When Henry declared himself divorced of Catherine and went through the motions of marriage to Anne, he placed himself outside the Catholic Church. Henry knew, as is evidenced by his words to Anne Boleyn, that he was living in a state of mortal sin and excommunication, which means he knew he had chosen the damnation of lust over eternity with God. Marriage had always been intended as a natural bond between one man and one woman, but Jesus raised marriage to the level of a sacrament and made it indissoluble when he said in Matthew 19:5 and 6, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one. So they are no longer two, but one. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And Jesus placed his divine stamp of approval on matrimony when he performed his first public miracle at the feast at Cana by turning water into wine in the second chapter of St. John. The modern counterculture has become the mainstream culture, and it's a throwaway culture. Everything today is disposable. So imbued are we with disposability that we even dispose of our pre-born children through abortion and contraception, all chemical contraceptives have been proven to be abortifacients, and our marriages when the going gets a little tough. Although civil divorce allows for the division of property and establishes for the care of children in a broken home, it isn't possible for divorce to break the marriage bond that exists between husband and wife. A court's declaration that a marriage is broken in no way alters God's law that says it isn't. That bond lasts until the death of the spouses. Jesus said that in matrimony, the man and woman become one person, so it isn't possible for the bond to be broken until death. Catholic couples who divorce and attempt to remarry do the same thing Henry VIII did, and they need to realize, like Henry, that they subject themselves to the same condemnation. Many modern Catholics think that when they divorce, they can automatically get an annulment from the church and be free to remarry. That isn't the case, though. When the church issues the decree of nullity, it's because it's been judged that a bond never really existed in the first place due to some serious impediment that existed before the sacrament was attempted. Because modern Catholics think they have a right to a decree of nullity, many of them divorce and remarry without that formality. This means they've attempted marriage outside the church, live in an adulterous relationship, live in a chronic state of mortal sin, and commit the additional mortal sin of sacrilege each time they receive communion. When Catholic couples find themselves in divorce court, the cause, regardless of the reasons given at the time, can almost always be traced back to one of two things. They either engaged in premarital sex or they used contraception in their marriage. 
Premarital sex establishes an immediate aura of distrust, even if it only becomes consciously evident years later. Contraception removes one of the twofold purposes of marriage, as intended by God, and turns the spouses into objects of sexual pleasure. It's usually the woman who becomes the object of sexual pleasure rather than a person, and she's degraded because of it. This is the worst sort of feminine abuse. When a Catholic couple obey the ordinary marriage law of the church and are wed in the sight of God, they embrace a sacrament that's much more than a mere rite or ceremony. If they will but avail themselves of its great power, the sacrament of matrimony can save even the most contentious of marriages. If Catholics will simply live within marriage as God demands, that is, to be faithful and to avoid the use of contraception, they'll discover a whole other dimension to Christian marriage. As a natural extension of the giving of love, God gives the spouses all the graces necessary to help one another grow in holiness. Just as children are produced in the marital bond are a manifestation of marital love, so too is a positive response to God's graces by the parents to help their children become a holy manifestation of that love. In other words, if Catholic couples will but obey God's laws within their marriage, there would never be a need for families to become broken. This isn't to say every day will be one of marital bliss, because there are always pressures from both within and outside the marriage, but it's possible for your marriage to be happy for your entire life. If you're taking any prescription medication to control diabetes, or even pre-diabetes, new studies from Italy and New Zealand show that type 2 diabetes and pre-diabetes can be managed or possibly even reversed if you know how. While most medications can keep the symptoms of diabetes at bay, they don't actually treat the root cause of the problem. So before you resign yourself to being hooked on medication for life, you've got to see a video about Glucofort. The link is in my show notes. I've been taking Glucofort for two months and it's had a dramatic effect on my blood sugar number. My primary care physician is amazed. So do what I did. Watch the video, then order the package of all-natural glucofort that's right for you by clicking the glucofort link in my show notes. The Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from Juan Donoso Cortez. He said, Catholicism is the law of life, the life of the intelligence, the solution to all problems. Catholicism is the truth, and everything that departs from it, one iota, is disorder, deception, and error. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. There's a fable that a shepherd once accidentally swallowed a fresh sprig of thorns that he was holding between his lips. The sprig took root in his body as if it were fertile soil and spread through his intestines. 
Thorns sprouted on all its branches and caused the most excruciating pain for the shepherd. The poor man died miserably. The moral of this fable is, he who commits sin and allows it to grow in his soul will have neither happiness nor peace. He'll come to a terrible end. If you've swallowed such twig of thorns, that is, if you're continually committing a certain venial sin, pull it out immediately by a sincere contrition and a good confession, before it becomes too deeply rooted and chokes the very life of your soul. Just as sin is a choking sprig of thorns, so penance is a wonderful fruit-bearing tree. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.